In this Champions Uncovered podcast, host Carla Basfal interviews Cole Bates, who is an entrepreneur focused on creating meaningful economic impact within countries and economies in which he has the opportunity to participate. Considered a world-renowned resource on education, appointment and guidance of high-performance boards, Cole is a sought-after keynote speaker and strategic advisor for a variety of companies and organizations. Through his leadership, the Sadar Group has become Africa's leader in this field. Today we'll be specifically talking about your book, The Laws of Extreme Business Success, Groundbreaking Game Rules for Small to Medium Enterprises. We'll only have time today for about three or four. Thank you so much and thanks for the opportunity to be here for the chance to have a conversation with you about some of these laws and really is an honor to be here and and share those insights with you. I really have a great belief in what Sadar does, growing high performance boards and in return growing business. Specifically, you start off the book with two paths that small businesses usually take. And that is the concept Mm -hmm. of having a craft versus an enterprise. Would you please just explain to us what you meant by these two different parts? No, more than happy to. And I think it's a great place to start at the beginning. The idea of craft versus enterprises is all about understanding the game that as an entrepreneur, in inverted commas, or a business person, you're looking to play. And I think too many people think they are entrepreneurs when they're not actually playing the game of entrepreneurship. And a lot of people talk about being a business owner, for example. I mean, they don't really own a business, they own a job. Now, there's not necessarily anything good or bad about either of these games. They're they're different games with different sets of game rules, like rugby has a different set of game rules to soccer and vice versa. So this whole idea of understanding which path, as you call it, you're going to take, what journey you're going on, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, is really important to understanding, well, how do you win at that game? And I think one of the classics is people say, oh, but, you know, mine's a lifestyle business. And I think sometimes people use this idea of lifestyle business as a way of justifying what's not working, you know, as though I don't have a life playing the business game that I'm playing at Sadar and, you know, that Richard Branson doesn't have a life playing the game that he's playing in business. And so the whole idea of putting business and putting business people into the category of craftsmanship or craftspersonship and entrepreneurship is about getting people to be honest with themselves around the game they're playing in order to understand the different game rules. Now, you probably want me to explain what the two different games are so that people have that real clarity, right? So craftsmanship or craftspersonship is all about this idea that you are the expert in your business and your craft in in your journey. Your business, if you like, is about you. It's about your skill. It's about your ability to bring in business, deliver value, deliver quality, retain clients, and basically, ultimately, earn a good hourly rate. The thing about craftsmanship is You've got to bank as much money as you can along the way, because when you decide to retire or if you get hit by the proverbial yellow bus for some reason and are no longer able to play the game, if you don't have enough money banked, then you're not going to have any value to exit your business from because the value in the business is you. The value of craftsmanship 
is you. Entrepreneurship is all about building something that is fundamentally not about you. Entrepreneurship is about building a business that's based on a bigger promise, based on a strategy, if you like, based on a vision that doesn't require you to be there in order to inspire people to deliver it. In entrepreneurship, if the entrepreneur changes, if the entrepreneur passes away, if the entrepreneur decides to retire, the entrepreneur gets hit by the proverbial yellow bus, the people within the organization are so passionate about the vision of what that enterprise is there to do that they want to continue on the journey. So entrepreneurship, if you like, is about building something that has value despite you. Different games, different game rules, and and different outcomes. And it's important, as I say, for people to be really clear about what game they're looking to play. Excellent. Thanks, Cole. And you mentioned quite a few aspects there. Even the word in your book, entrepreneurship, comes from the French word entrepreneur. (laughs) Your French is much better than mine. (laughs) I don't look. I only know that word because I've said it so many times. I wouldn't say my French is that good at all. But anyway. (laughs) It's to undertake a promise. And it also shifted my perspective because when you go into entrepreneurship, you think lifestyle, exactly what you said, freedom. And it's quite contrary once you get started in uh, starting your business. So it's really about also the language that you mentioned in the book. It's not your business. You are not the business. You have a business. And those are the different Mm -hmm. game rules that you speak about also in the book. It leads me to the first law that I want to discuss, and that's the three hats. Because the three Mm -hmm. hats, the law of the three hats really shifted my perspective as a business owner because you have different roles. If you've taken on the craftsman as the expert's mindset, which also helped me shift because I need to shift from craftsman being the expert to enterprise perspective. And even if you are the the sole owner or you have a co-founder with you, you need to clarify those different roles, those hats that you mentioned. Those three hats is the director, the shareholder and management. They're not all in one. There's different focus areas with different responsibilities as the shareholder. What is your expectations as a shareholder? What are your expectations as a director? And what is the expectations from management? After taking this book, I've really applied that and I've formulated like the three different areas with myself and the co-founder, what are our roles? And setting up Mm -hmm. our first meeting to say that, that you can never really be too small for governance and having a meeting where you can actually split the roles and what are the expectations and start setting up your business to go enterprise-wise. If you could just please elaborate on the three hats and the distinction Mm -hmm. between these different roles. I'm more than happy to. The, The key about the distinction between your role as a shareholder, a director, and a manager as you say, regardless of the size of your organization, it's about making sure that at different stages in the life cycle of your business and in the journey and the rhythm of business, you're taking a step back and wearing the correct hat in considering the performance of your business and making a decision. So as a shareholder, you've invested money or time or capital into the business, and you've done that in order to get a return on that investment. But a lot of small business owners, inverted commas, I call them small business owners, a lot of big businesses 
don't actually take the time to sit back and go, well, what is my return on investment? What is my business worth? And someone might say, well, it's irrelevant what my business is worth because I don't want to sell it. Well, how can it be irrelevant if as a shareholder, you're investing in a business in order to get return on your investment? How do you understand your return? How do you understand if you're actually performing if you don't step back as a shareholder and say, what's my return on my investment here? The other side of that point is a lot of business people blindly throw money, and I use that word blindly quite emotive, blindly throw money into their business without stepping back again and going, hold on, is this the right thing? Is this actually going to improve the performance of our organization? Am I going to get a return on that investment? If you think about it slightly differently, if I was only a shareholder, would I be doing this? And for many, the answer to that question is, is honestly no. And so by having those conversations with yourself, it enables you to get honest about where your business is at, the decisions you're making, and what needs to happen in order to take the business forward. Wearing a director hat is all about your role in making decisions. And I think people often confuse the role of a shareholder and the role of a director. I think many of us in our own businesses think that because we are the shareholder, we get to make the decisions. We don't get to make the decisions because you're the shareholder. You know, shareholders have this concept called limited liability. That's why we have a company. The shareholder, your liability is limited. But as a director, your liability is unlimited. It's the directorship hat that enables or that gives you the decision-making right. And you've got to sometimes step back and go, am I making a direct decision here? And if so, do I understand what that means? I think many of us, have become directors of our own businesses. And through some form of divine intervention, we think we know what it means to be a director. You know, we wonder why so many businesses fail within the first 12 months of starting. We wonder why so many fail in the first three years and the first five years of businesses. We don't actually make people take the inverted commas driver's license of business, which is understanding what it means to be a director. And then, of course, the third element of the three hats, the third hat is the hat of management. And management is where you actually do the work. Management is the operational decision-making, the day-to-day delivery of the decisions of the enterprise. And I think many of us think we make decisions on a daily basis in our business because we own it. Well, no, you make daily decisions in, in your business because you're the chief executive or the managing director, for want of a better word. So even in the smallest businesses, we encourage business owners and entrepreneurs and business people to step back and say, what hat am I wearing when I make a decision? And force that thinking about the separation of the hats in order to improve the performance of the business. The last part of this, though, is that it's actually really difficult to do if you are the shareholder, the director, and the manager, because you jump so easily from one hat to the other without realizing that, that it's shifted. And so If you are playing the game of enterprise, there's a different answer here if you're playing the game of craftsmanship, fundamentally different set of game rules. If you're playing the game of enterprise, if you're building a business that's not about you, then the way to achieve the separation of the hats and know when you're wearing the different hat is to have what we would call independent non-executive directors. People who wear the directorship hat, whose sole role is to play that director role within your organization. You also mentioned it's about accountability and what Siddharth does is they hold you accountable for the decisions that you're making because building a business is 
a lifestyle, <laughs> as you mentioned. It's part of who you yeah. are as an entrepreneur. I mean, there's not really, an, it's not an eight to five. You can be sitting on the beach and you're as a natural entrepreneur, you'll be thinking of ideas. So you, you don't have that switch off button. It's yeah. really an emotional connection that you have to your business. And by having a, a non, sorry, my terminology, you're going to have to correct me, yeah, an independent. Um, no, non non-executive director. Yes, non-executive director, an independent non-executive director. You can actually look at your business objectively and hold you accountable without having that emotional connection and can really give you perspective on the way that you're looking at something. And the whole idea with the Sadar name is even having that lead Sherpa on a mountain that can guide you, that has been there before, that can see the challenges as opportunities instead of you as in the business and not working on the business, which you should be doing. You sometimes do hit a wall and you do hit a valley where you can't necessarily see the other side. And by having that guide and that that Sherpa that can help you to reach the summit of the mountain will actually just push you forward. And, and that's why you become a high-performance enterprise. I love the quote that you used in your in Law of Ego. It's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves, Sir Edmund Hillary. And that's also the whole journey of being an entrepreneur is letting go of that ego and it's not about you. It's actually about the greater purpose, the greater promise, and having a presence that you'll lead a legacy. And that really came through in the book is to focus on others, to build a sustainable business beyond yourself. So having that like, purpose that's greater than your presence. So whether you're there or not, will the business still be sustainable? So the law of ego is something that it's it's about personal development and learning on the journey. And if you can just go into a bit of the law of ego. So the, the law of ego is all about ultimately understanding who you are and understanding that the business has to be bigger than you. And I think too many entrepreneurs, too many business people think that their business is about them, think that they are their business. And, and in many ways, this is true. When you're getting your business off the ground, when you're starting out, it is about you. It's about your dedication. It's about your hard work. It's about those hours past five o'clock and before eight o'clock in the morning that you're the one working. And you know, in many ways, you will always be the person who's the most passionate about your business because it's your baby. But if you truly want to transcend from craftsmanship to entrepreneurship, if you want to build something that has sustainability without you, then you've got to let go of your connection, if I can frame it that way, with your business, your attachment to your business, and allow it to build a, a vision bigger than you. And so the law of ego challenges us to think about, well, what is it that I'm doing that holds my business back? And what is it that I could be doing to enable our business to raise itself up to the next level, to, to move into the next gear? And I think too many of us as entrepreneurs aren't prepared to have that conversation with ourselves. 
and and probably frankly when when our team or when people do come into our world and challenge us on that it takes us a while to truly be prepared to appreciate it it's definitely not only your intellectual capital but it's your emotional capital that you've got to learn as you go along in on the journey and by having an accountability partner it also gives you perspective somebody to to say i don't think you're handling the situation in a mature way this is how i would handle it and just having somebody that will partner with you to help you along that journey because you also climbed mount kilimanjaro with your team and that was also a lesson in leadership and the different climbing conditions and what you need as a leader would you share with us that journey of climbing <laughs> kilimanjaro and how you can relate it to business more than happy and climbing kilimanjaro was one of the the greatest experiences i had in in africa because first of all i i'm not really known by my friends group as being you know a physical sporty type guy like yes i i go for a decent run a couple of times a week and do do those things to stay healthy but i've i've never been that sports person right so climbing kilimanjaro was a big up from that perspective I think the thing the second thing that it was was it was a literal translation of what sadar is about and and you know thank you for that wonderful explanation of what sadar does you know we literally guide our clients through the journey of having a board in order to grow to be sustainable and valuable and profitable businesses you know guiding boards growing business that's what we're all about as an organization and as we're talking about in this podcast the value of a board to any business is critical So when we went on the journey up Kilimanjaro we said to a couple of our team and we said to a few of our clients why don't why don't we do this literally why don't we climb Kilimanjaro and and demonstrate what a sadar is all about by being led by by sadars being led by by sherpas and by a climber who had been there done that and a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Mule who great south african who led us on that journey and i remember at one point during the final night of the climb when you leave high camp at midnight to climb 6 hours through the pitch black in order to arrive on the peak of Kilimanjaro as the sun is rising and you get this romantic idea of the sun rising over the horizon and you get to take the photo of the sun rising over the horizon now whoever tries to explain to you that the reason why they climb through the pitch black is so that you get this romantic idea of the sun rising and that it's cool i think is just telling you a story because frankly it's cold at that height of the mountain all day long and after 6 hours of climbing through the pitch black the last thing you're interested in doing is taking a photo of the sun rising um over the horizon you know i remember my sherpa making sure that i took that photo i reckon they make you climb through the pitch black because if you would have climbed through that last 6 hours up those steep steep traverses in broad daylight you could see where you're going and i think business is a little bit like that i think many of us if we knew what we were going to go through when we started out in business the climb we would have to go on we probably wouldn't have done it and i remember at about 2 o'clock in the morning ronnie uh was was helping me out because i was starting to come up with excuses you know ronnie it's getting a bit cold my hands are too cold and he whipped out an, an extra pair of gloves and made me put them on and then I came up with some other excuse and and he and he pulled out the scarf or whatever it was out of his bag and and I had that he had like practically the answer for everything 
And then at one point I just said to Ronnie, I said, you know, Ronnie, I think, I don't think this is for me. I think I'm going to, you know, I need to turn around and go back. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And Ronnie said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, Carl, I thought you were climbing for your dad. And for those that know the story or may not know the story, I'll tell it very quickly. My dad had a major stroke and he can't really walk as well as he used to and, and can't talk like he used to. And, and so when Ronnie said to me, I thought you were climbing for your dad, like, how can you turn around, right? And, and I, I completed the climb and, and I'm so grateful for him pulling on that emotional string and making sure I got to the top. But I think the point for me that came through there is that in business, it's that bigger reason for being that gets you to the top. The sadars are there to guide you and ensure that you get there because they've been there, done that. But they, they also know how to help you get there and what buttons to press to enable you to reach the summit. And I think a good board of directors does exactly the same in a business. Oh, thanks for sharing that story, Carl. It, the, the whole journey is, as you mentioned, about your why and about the vision and about having clarity of purpose. And it's always good to have people that along the journey, mentors, guides, can actually remind you of why you started and why you need to continue going. It isn't an easy endeavor to be in business. As you mentioned, we wouldn't all start the journey if we knew what was coming along. But actually, it's about taking on that challenge and seeing it as an opportunity to grow and to, to contribute to society and to have that why and that purpose of being in business. It can also speed up the cycle of learning by having a guide. And, you know, he's been there before. That Sherpa that took you on that journey had been there before and he knew the victory and what you were going to experience by climbing that, that mountain. And those are lessons that you can take with you for the rest of your life. And also going through the journey and not ever giving up is one of those key elements of being a leader. I love in your book on specifically on page 132 is you give like a whole list of leadership abilities that you need. And it's about setting an example for others, persevering when circumstances are difficult, inspiring confidence in your team during these uncertain times. And a lot of businesses have gone through many uncertain times. And it's about Indeed. ascending from being the role of a boss being that of a leader it's providing the answers the direction and staying focused on achieving your enterprise's promises and inspiring your team to do the same and then also being decisive and taking action I think that's one of the things I definitely have learned from you working with you way back then was actually your speed of implementation and how you really drive business forward through your speed and also just your direction, your vision, and your clarity that you have. I just want to commend you on your leadership. Thank you. Your... That means a lot. So Dar is not just a business. I've actually seen over the years, and that's why I really believe in what you do, is really the purpose behind what you do. And you really set an example for high-performance boards, and you lead by example. And that's one of the keys for leadership. And... I'd like to really you. commend you on that as an example. But along the way, you also have fun and you say business is a game. 
and you need to play to win. So that is also one of the laws about playing to win. Would you like to elaborate that? I think for our female entrepreneurs out there, we don't necessarily have that competitive spirit to play to win. So would you please explain that concept? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for those words. They, they really mean a lot. And it's very humbling to hear that from someone who has worked, as you say, with us but some time ago and, and that for that to have a lasting impression. So that really means a lot. And, and, and I really do appreciate that. Thank you. This idea of playing to win, I think, got ingrained in me as, as a very young child. I was very lucky. I grew up with seven of my eight um, great-grandparents. Well, I didn't grow up with them. I had, when I was born, rather, seven of my great-grandparents alive. And I had all of my grandparents. And so I grew up with all of my grandparents. So my grandfather, uh, who sadly passed away in the middle of COVID, and due to COVID, we weren't able to get to the funeral, which was obviously heartbreaking at the time, he always said, I don't come to watch you come second, which is a fairly brutal thing, I think, to say to a five or six or seven-year-old. And looking back, I, I in some ways think maybe it's maybe a little bit too competitive at times, particularly when playing games like Monopoly. However, that said, I think it did drive a standard and an expectation in my mind. You know, the other thing he always used to say is Bates has always win. He's my dad's dad, so it was he was a Bates and Obviously, dad's a Bates and, and I'm a Bates. And he said, Bates is always winning. He drove this expectation that you, you did what you needed to do to win the game. Now, you could define what the game was. He didn't say, you know, this is what the game of life is about. You could define what the game was. And I think for many entrepreneurs, we don't take that time to step back and go, well, what is the game for you? And I think one of the values in, in my journey as an entrepreneur and getting married through the journey of being an entrepreneur, because I was an entrepreneur before I was a husband. And Candace has brought to that conversation an interesting question along the way, which often comes up as we're talking about our journey of what's the game? What's the end purpose here? How are we going to enjoy this? And so to everyone listening, I think the first part of playing to win is defining what winning is for you and being really clear on that. Because it does two things. One is it doesn't allow you to use excuses, you know, when it doesn't quite go the way it could have or should have because you haven't actually done the work that you should have done. You're able to hold yourself accountable. But on the other side, you can actually congratulate yourself and celebrate the win when you do win. I think the second part of this idea of business as a game and actually the, the sort of bigger component of the law of a business as a game and, and what we try to encapsulate in this idea of the law of business as a game is that a game has a set period of time you play. It has a beginning, it has an end, and it has a set of game rules. And everyone, when they go into the field or go into the court or go into the pool, know what those game rules are and play to those game rules. And then at the end of the game, when the game finishes, there's time for reflection. There's time for learning. There's time for improvement. And as businesses, we need to do that. But there's also a time to celebrate. There's time to engage as a team. And there's is practice. And I think when businesses think about their business in that way, and when entrepreneurs and business owners, again, in inverted commas, think about their business in that way, it allows us to take time to, to go, hold on a minute, this is my downtime. If I was a runner 
and I ran 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm going to collapse and ultimately die. You know, you've got to take time out to eat, to rest, recover. And the idea of business as a game allows us to understand in our business that actually that is part of the journey as well. So it's more than just about the winning, but certainly winning is a big part of it. It's about the bigger story, the bigger view, the bigger recognition of what a game requires in order to be successful. And ultimately about having fun. Because I think if we get too serious, and I certainly have got too serious at times in our business, I would be the first to be accused of getting too serious in the game of business at times. If you get too serious, it's not fun. And the big thing about a team is they want to have fun and they want to enjoy what they're doing. And I think over the years, I've, I've got a lot better at understanding how to create that energy within a team and within an organization. And you, you referenced COVID just before. I think it's one of the reasons why as a business, we were so successful through COVID relatively because we had built that team culture that allowed us to go on a journey of success through a challenging time like COVID. I think it's natural to take uh, your business very seriously and what you do very seriously because you are focused on a purpose beyond yourself and you feel the sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, Richard Branson is an example of someone who really incorporates that fun along the way. And that's, also a challenge for me is to actually look at, you know, not being so serious and incorporating those fun elements and saying, you know, what can we do that's exciting and that aligns with our vision, you know, to be that exciting brand and to inspire others through, you know, through that perspective of fun and that's not all just a serious, that's a great perspective that you gave us business as a game. Because if you think when you're playing a game, you're having fun, Yes, you want to win, but you also need to be strategic about where you're going in your business. But at the same time, it's an everyday journey of just enjoyment. And I think that also needs to come through in your business and in your culture that you're building for the team, because that will also move the team forward. Absolutely. This book has got such gems in it and principles. Every entrepreneur and every senior executive definitely needs to read and also after each law you ask question am I on the right route you know should I be taking a different route so having those questions after each chapter also makes you think and change and shift your direction as an entrepreneur I would like to ask you to leave us with a champion mindset insight so something that's of wisdom and guidance that you can leave with every business champion out there now I'm putting you on the spot, but you've got <laughs> tons of insight and wisdom. So I don't think this will be difficult for you and leave with our listeners and our audience today. So there's two things I do at the end of every year, and it's close to the beginning of the year. So this is fresh in my mind. It's something that I still am finessing for, for this year, but it's something I've done since I was a young, young boy, funnily enough. My mum said to me at New Year's when she saw me writing it, she said, are you still doing that? So I've done it right from a kid. And there's two parts to it. One is sitting down and writing everything I'm grateful about for the year that's passed. And I, I write quite small. If, if you've ever, or you've seen my handwriting in my little black book, I get a lot on a page. And so I fill a page, or in this case, this year, two pages full of things that I'm I'm grateful for, from life to family, to my wife, to my kids, to my business, to what's going on 
specific things that have been achieved, people, just everything I've got to be grateful for. And I think as champions, as business people, we, we've got to reflect on our successes because it can be a lonely place. I think often in the journey of business, we, we lose and we forget what's going well. So that's the first part of the exercise. The second part of the exercise is I draw a picture of what I want to achieve in the year to come. And that's across all areas of my life, my family, my, my spirituality, my personal life, my businesses, my health, my friends. And I, I, I draw a picture. It's literally a, a little picture of, of very specific things that I want to achieve in each of those areas. And sometimes I've got numbers by them. Sometimes I've got comments or they've got a signpost or something that paints the picture for me of what the year is about. And then I regularly look at those pictures, those guided posts for, for the year ahead. And I think that that helps me stay focused on the big picture through, uh, through the years. That is excellent. I love that. I'm definitely going to apply that. I, I started this year a, a jar called the Happy Jar. <laughs> We are literally, every time something <laughs> wonderful happens, I, I write, write it on a sticky note and I'll put it inside that jar. And on the last day of this year, I'm going to read all the things that I'm grateful for. And it's just something to focus on. So I really believe in that for your wellness and having gratitude. It really just opens up your whole world to know that, you know, it's such a privilege to be here on earth and actually just contribute your gifts and your skills and your values. On that note, I'd also like to thank you for the work that you're doing. You really are contributing your gifts and your talents. And also by writing this book, The Laws of Extreme Business Success, it's a real handbook for any leader and entrepreneur. And you've also got a second book, The Traversing the Avalanche, which I'd love to go through mm -hmm. with you also. And that's jam-packed. More than happy Growing companies through high-performing boards. I know I've also been yes. on that workshop and that was so profound as well. So thank you, Cole, for all of the work that you and your team, I know that you don't do it alone. Your team works really hard to make sure that yeah. businesses do thrive and definitely something that every company does need. Thank you, Cole. Thank you so much. Champions Uncovered hopes you've gained some valuable insights and practical tools for you to use in your everyday life. Subscribe to this podcast channel so you can be notified for more Champions Uncovered podcasts.